Welcome to The She Word, conversations that women rarely have but really should. And today's conversation is about women in the workplace. And I'm really excited because I am surrounded by three amazing powerhouse women. I've got Crystal from Invintage, the founder of Invintage and also the managing director. I also have Tiziana, who is the general manager of one of the most amazing phenomenons, Browns who've just taken off over the last couple of years. And I also have Liz with me, who is the CEO of Alberta, but also the vice president of the Malta Chamber. Ladies, thank you so much for being on this show. And I'm really excited to talk about women in the workplace. It's a pleasure, Trudy, being here. Thank with you such for such amazing women. Well, honestly, <laughs> we, we've been talking before we recorded this show and suddenly you've all gotten a little bit silent, but I know that you've got <laughs> an awful lot to say about this because you've been talking about women and your women's roles in work and how you got to where you are. And that's where I want to start off in this conversation. And I'm going to start off with you, Liz, because I want to just find out a little bit of your background, how you got to where you are, and I and your story. And we're going to share this journey for each of you as we go through the show. Luckily enough, I'm about to lose my voice, so not a problem. <laughs> <laughs> then we start it, with you first. It's be a long one. Um, basically, um, I started working when I was 17. I worked for nine months with uh, AX Group. I was a receptionist there. And uh, my dad told me to join the family business when I was 18. I joined. At the time, we were only five uh, employees. And uh, 32 years later, <laughs> we're a team of 400 with three companies and uh, an office in Libya. Well done. And uh, it's been a long journey. It's been a fun journey. But it takes perseverance and hard work. Nothing comes without perseverance and hard work. So a couple of questions before we go any further. You started off with, in the family business, Alberta, which uh, is what kind of business? We're in the business of fire and security. Okay. So one thing springs to mind, a question straight away. That sounds like a very kind of male environment. Yes, absolutely. We're, uh, we're part of the mechanical and electrical, which obviously forms part of the construction industry. So very male-dominated environment. So yes. to, yeah, to put this in context, a very male-dominated environment that you started with five employees and now you said it's 400. Yes, obviously not on my own. My, my, my brother is the business and have a great team as well. Brilliant. Thank you. We're going to come back to that in just a second because so many questions just come out of that. Tiziana, you are the general manager of the pharmacy phenomenon, phenomenon, which is Browns, which has grown literally in the last couple of years and is now everywhere across the island. What is your career journey? So... Um, uh... I am I'm a pharmacist by profession and that's how I joined Browns. I joined Browns when they were um, uh, the company was made up of three pharmacies that um, uh, looked very different to one another, not like we know Browns today. Um, at the time the it, the shareholders of the business, two men, very nice men, very um, <laughs> men with a very clear vision of what they wanted to do. And I bought into that. They wanted to create an environment with um, like-minded people where people could share their ideas, share their values, 
and create something <clears throat> something different something different in the sense that um they wanted to attract people who shared a passion for customer service okay this started 23 years ago unlike people perception out there they think browns is is uh, a young company the company started 23 years ago and i joined 18 years ago i joined a bit before the branding of the browns chain started and uh, basically um, we started when the Ford Pharmacy was acquired, that's when the branding process started. And over the years, we have been acquiring um, pharmacies and reinforcing the business by attracting a lot of women, because the industry conventionally attracts a lot of women, um, hardworking women. Um, and I think the success of Browns is because there was always a platform for people with good intentions, hard work to flourish. Brilliant. And we are here today with 24 pharmacies. Well, you said something very interesting there because you said uh, you didn't think a lot of people realize you've been around for 23 years. I personally didn't know that at all. Okay. And I also yes, thought it was of- a relatively new company. We're going to come to that in a second yes. as well. Crystal, your story is quite different to both of these ladies. What's your story? Well, I had Francesca 10 years ago because I'm vintage this year, celebrating its 10th year anniversary. And when I held her in my arms, I felt like, you know, I, I needed to, to do something with more purpose. And that is how Invintage was created. It's all about women empowerment and uh, trying to leave a better world for, for my daughter. As a company, we now have um, six stores and our online site. We're a group of 90. Um, women, men, how do you, it's like now they call it she, because I got trained on this. They say like, he, she, them, they, <laughs> like whatever. I don't, I, I love them all like to bits. It's a family environment. I'm the lucky one to have created my own culture and inside the company, you know, and everyone is valued for what they bring on the table basically and uh, nothing else. But you know, there's something in common between each of these stories that you've just shared. Each of these companies has been a phenomenal success because you mentioned Browns has gone from three stores to 24. Alberta has gone from five employees to 400. And of course, some vintage over the last 10 years has gone from nothing to everywhere. And every woman on the island probably wearing your jewelry, which is brilliant. I mean, it's such a fantastic legacy. It's such a fantastic story to share. But for women around Malta and far, far beyond, that's not always the case. And the statistics are that women earn less than men, 13% less than men in the same role across Europe. So this is not specific to Malta. This is absolutely everywhere. And also that women have to work 10% harder in the same role, statistically, that again, across Europe. So we see quite a huge imbalance between men and women. How has that reflected in your own experience? And I'm going to start with you, Tiziana, because you have, you had a role, you had a position before you even joined Browns. How have you seen that in your career? And how is that now? Um, To be very honest, I, I never perceived 
my gender as a limitation. Why are we working harder than our male counterparts and still getting paid less? I think in my in my younger years, I never realized that there could be barriers, to be honest. But when I started my journey, my my career, then you start to realize that, again, maybe being in a male-dominated environment, it does exist. It It, it is a reality. It's, it's the perception. You're a female, you know, I, I'm not technical, I didn't study, I didn't go to university. But I think as 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 you go along, you learn to to be assertive, you learn to kind of um, show that you know what you're doing, what you're talking about. And it's it's all about then the values and the ethics and proving yourself. I mean, I guess I still have to prove myself till this day, but that's not only because I'm female. It could be it could be a male as well, you know? I mean, every day we, we have to work. But yes, I do think a woman has to work a little bit harder than men, you know? But that's life. And I think nowadays um, it's it's changing. And it's changing, I think, very fast. I see it in our own environment. I see when we recruit female engineers, um, or female technicians, and it, it's irrelevant if you're male or female, or as you said earlier, you know, as long as you can do the job. I mean, I think sometimes we limit, we tend to limit mm. ourselves. Mm. We we worry too much about what other people think, you know. We worry about how we're be seen out there, you know. But I think if we if you just if you're just yourself and just work and. Do we limit ourselves, Crystal? Trudy, I think that if I tell you that you're unable or that coffee would make you sick today, I think you'll feel sick tonight. I think that um, people tend to believe what once something is ingrained in your brain, you end up believing it, whether or not it is true. And I see, I, I, I mean, I was, I question this a lot because I see a lot of people limiting themselves. And I think I'm lucky because I was brought up by a single, I mean, my, my mother, single mother. So I never had the, the female and male figure at home. I mean, it was ingrained in one. So in my head, I, I, I couldn't distinguish between the two. I, I was never, bro- I could never see it. So I, it didn't, um, it wasn't ingrained in my head. So uh, no one told me that coffee is going to make you sick. You know, never to- nobody told me that there's the men role and the female role. I-, I wasn't brought up in that. And then I have another thing. I think I'm lucky because as a character, I always was, I don't know, I, I question everything. So I say like, mm, is this how it's meant to be? Me you know, too. in my head. <laughs> me too. I question everything. So I that that everything. really changes. Um, per, like, you, you don't do things like, Right now, we're very much, especially with my daughter, about this sheep syndrome. Like, you do things because the others are doing it. You know, like, we just, we're in a car park in Sicily, and I know that that car park is not attended to. Like, nobody goes there. We're Maltese number plate, so I believe we can't get a fine. And everybody was running to get the ticket on. I told them, no, you don't need a ticket, but just because... I, I saw myself just because everybody was doing it. Then I felt like I had to do it. And I'm like, Cree, this is not, you. you know, the brain is very manipulative. Like it's, if you believe that something and people are pushing you there, certain things I still do, for example, I, but just because my mother taught us that it has to be done by the female. Like, for example, I feel that I should be the one always going home and doing the cooking. 
you know, no, I have a very, my partner <laughs> always Don't says, Don't ask me that question. Like, or for example, I feel like it's my duty because I, and I know, and I'm very conscious about how I feel about this. And I feel like I'm the one that has to do the cleaning. And I feel like, because my mother always was like, Yo, you know, like when my dad was home, she, her job was always to make sure the house is clean. And when he's home, he finds the nice, the house nice and clean, the kids washed and dinner on the table. But so, you know, like automatically I feel, and I, I struggle. Even when my partner says like, sit down, I'll do this. I'm like, so am I being a bad wife? Am I a bad partner? So, because we're conditioned. No, I'm gonna. I just have to before we go any further. I have to ask why you were giggling. You're either not very good at cooking. <laughs> I, I have hate, no I hate that to space. I'm... Takeouts. There's the no, solution. we don't have takeouts. But others help help in that area. Seems very good in the kitchen as well. So he enjoys you, it. I don't. I do it if I have to. But you know, it's not my favorite space. So. <laughs> I love that. It's not my favorite space. <laughs> I'm taking that one. That's okay. my line now. Mine is used for storage purposes, my oven. <laughs> <laughs> That's even better. That's even better. I want to come round to your house, Liz, and find out what you're storing in the cooking. But that's totally defying the roles. That's that's saying that I'm going to break away from the traditional role of the homemaker, of the 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 woman who does the cleaning, the the cooking, and because you have these strong jobs, these strong careers, you have these strong presence, these strong. I mean, is everybody? Are all women able to do that? What? Where are we going wrong? Obviously, if you choose not to do something, there has to be someone good in your stead because cooking is very important like any other important if chris spoke about cleaning someone needs to do it but i think one of the things we need to do is understand what we're strong at and persevere and and do that and the things we are weaker at we need to surround ourselves by people who help us um who make up for our weaknesses yes. and allow us to be strong where we're strong. And I think from my experience, e even at work, there are things that I can't do or I don't enjoy doing because I, it comes less natural for me to do. But there are people who, who work with me, my colleagues, who are good at it. So I think we have to be good there we need to admit our weaknesses and surround ourselves by people who can make us better because if someone is there to offset my weakness i obviously can do what i can do best so so you're talking about um, being just absolutely honest and saying i you know i can't cook <laughs> i can't but, but I'm i teasing. don't enjoy it that's, but all, that's, but also it's taking that into the workplace. And I think that's where quite often we as women fall down because we think we have to be good at everything. Yes. And we that's have to it. be all-rounders. And I think in this instance, we don't help ourselves. But you see, this is, this is it. You just, like, she felt bad saying I'm not good. Like, it's, a, it's fine. Because as women, we're meant, we're brought up to believe that we have to... Be good okay, at everything. Exactly. Be the good yeah. wife, be the good mom, be, do sports, have a nice, have a nice wardrobe, like do the nails, do the hair, do the makeup. Like, I, sometimes I'm like, I can't, I can't, you know, like I can't do everything, 
well, how am I supposed to do it? Catch up with everything, eat, empty. Like so, people and people tell, look at me and they tell me, but how do you manage? I'm like, Han, I don't. I mean, I try to get do the best I can, you know. But sometimes I've learned also to let go of certain to one. That, like, I can't it. do everything. So it's fine if the floor is a bit dirty today because I prefer spending two hours with my daughter. Yeah. And to get to that point, like really took a lot of mindset. <laughs> Because, you know, like, I know how my mom used to tell, like, never leave the house, you know, in a mess. But, mm-hmm. and I still hate doing it because, but I, it's one thing is taking away from the other in the end of the day. So, but why do we as women feel like, even though we have a full time job, even though we have these amazing careers, we still have to be everything else because men don't do that. Men go home, they sit on the sofa and put on the TV. <laughs> it's, it's, it's true. I mean, it's true, right? I'll be very fair. My man does not think that way. I think we both agreed. We didn't verbally agree, but we both understood that there are things he's good at and there are things that I'm good at. And I think outside my relationship, I I adopted that level of communication or non-verbal agreements with the people around us. And I think that's what we need to do in relationships at work. We need to admit the things we are not good at and let others do them. And the things we're good at, we, we, we focus in doing along the way, pulling, pulling people with us and, and sort of, um, how shall I say this? If I'm good at something and my counterpart is not good in, and I persevere and achieve, achieve that goal, the people around me would ultimately, you know, benefit from me reaching that goal. That's what I meant to say if I was clear enough about it. Um, I don't like cooking because I don't like cooking. I love to entertain, but I don't like cooking. If I have to do it, I'll do it. But it it doesn't come natural to me. I'm lucky enough that mom supports me a lot and uh, she will always have something fresh, ready-made, and she'll call me, you know, you have plate of pasta ready or or lasagna ready. So, So that's good, but I think are having a good support structure and and identifying that it's okay not to be good in everything. It's okay. And unfortunately, I think I've learned that. Um, A little too late. A little too late that I I used to beat up myself that I don't go to the gym or because I don't. Now I, I, I openly say I don't like cooking and I'm allergic to sports. I'm allergic <laughs> to exercise. But it, like, Possibly also social media has this, has yes. brought this on us, you know? And I mean, like you're seeing these perfect worlds, these perfect mums, these perfect families, these perfect career women managing to... It's and worrying. life is not like that. Because when, it looks like everybody has the perfect and life. And it's not like that, you know? It's, it's, uh, it's not like that at all. And as you said, uh, like at the office, I mean, uh, we complement each other. I work a lot with my brother, you know? We, we both know what each other's strengths and weaknesses are. We don't even need to say them out loud, so to speak, you know? And the same with my husband, you know? And then it, it just, I think you fall into a positive it routine. It flows. You You're know? talking about a lot of understanding there. You're talking about the the, the three uh, components that are uh, completely consistent between the three ladies at this table is that you talked about a support network. You talked about 
not actually caring so much, letting go a little bit and making your priorities, saying this is my priority, this is what I'm good at, this is what I can do. And this is a this is a whole new learning for a lot of women, a lot of people, but also a lot of women to be able to let that go. And you also mentioned social media, which pressurizes us as women to be perfect and to be the perfect woman. Now, I often think that we as women aren't particularly helpful to each other because I think that whole social media also comes from other women promoting themselves as really the best that she can be and being great at sports and cooking and everything like this. But I also think, and my question to you would be, is that often an occurrence in the workplace? Are women supportive of other women? Are women supportive of women who are rising up? Have you seen... Let me ask you, Crystal, have you ever come across challenges because you are a woman who is succeeding with your with your career, but also your business? Have you ever had challenges against that? At Vintage? In general. No, I, throughout my life, obviously, I, I knew I had, I, will, I mean, yes, I always felt because I'm a woman, I always had to keep my place. As we always talk about us, because like, people tell me like, ah, you women, you know, like, because uh, God knows how much bitching there must be between you guys, because when women work together, you know, that is the environment that I'm like, you work in a man environment, like, how do you deal with men ego? <laughs> it's true. <laughs> you know, like, because we both have, um, so I think it's all about um, understanding and, you know, each other, like, yes, maybe, you know, we're all b- both sensitive in different ways. You know, yes, I've had my very tough um, way to get to until I got to here. I mean, and um, I, I've been looked down at because I'm a woman, just because maybe I started the business when I was 29. So people used to, I've had meetings where they would call my ex-husband and say, listen, you mind if we have a one-to-one? And I, I thought, I thought, enough, I didn't, I, I'm like, why would somebody call my husband and say, let's have a discussion? Like, I would just got to the office back from the meeting, you know? I, I've had people not looking at me for an hour meeting just because I'm female, you know? Like, so it, <laughs> I've had that too, many times. You have? And yes. you're in a more of a male yes, environment. I've than, had that. Than but you know what? I Nowadays, which possibly is wrong, I, like, I understand it and I actually put my head around it because I know I am women. So like sometimes it can happen that you're talking to men and you know, like you have to respect the fact. I don't see it as something nowadays. I think I, I've gone through so much. Like even I've, unfortunately I've had men I recruited inside the company who didn't respect me because I was female because it doesn't even okay. I know, and I, I, I used to understand that there was this mental blockage and sometimes, you know, we recruit people, even like for, we are very multicultural now. And sometimes I recruit people. We rec- recently, for example, I said like, listen, are you sure? Did you get that person here to see that here it's, you know, it's multicultural, female, transgender, whatever. Are you sure that he's ready to accept it? As long as, you know, because I always tell them. Here, you, my office, we have an open office policy. I'm very much down to work. I, I speak to everyone at the office and we can discuss anything like and it's very like if something makes sense you know we don't need to you know there's no bureaucracy to any decision that needs to be done it makes sense it's it, even if it breaks all the 
protocols. protocols and how things have always been done. We have to encourage people to think out of the box and think differently. One thing we could never negotiate inside the company was the company culture. That is not unnegotiable. A, unnegotiable. Don't come in here like if you don't feel. And that was really tough when we were growing. And I, I feel like four years ago, especially, that was such a big struggle for me because I was being pushed into trying to, to change the culture, you know, like um, simple things. If, if, for example, the bin is full, get up and, and throw it in the bigger bin, you know, like who cares? Like we put up the sleeves and do what needs to be done as long as we keep this company going. Like, no, that's not my job. So, you know, we've, you see different cultures and this is a small thing. I'm mentioning, but I, it remained in my head because I see how people are ingrained with certain beliefs, you know, like. Liz, does that come, you, your environment is even more male, male oriented. Does that, is that something that you see in yours? Do you see that women are in your company are being sort of more pushed into a gender um, narrative than, than, than they should be? Um, I'm not sure if, I'm not sure if that's the case anymore, you know? I mean, when you set the culture right from the top, as uh, you know, as Chris said earlier, then they will, even the men will have to accept it. And then once again, it's not no longer about men and women, even at recruitment. And I think the most important thing is also at an HR level. I mean, it's made very clear about the values, about the ethics, about our cultures, that culture is non-negotiable whether it's male, whether it's female. I mean, even when they talk about the, the gender, I, I mean, kind of the, the pay gap. I kind of recently, I asked our, our HR, I thought her, we're all, they're all equally paid. They all engineers, all, yes. She told me, why are you asking? I told her, because I hear all these kind of stories that women are not paid. And I, I worry, I don't want that to be in Alberta. And maybe it's happening and I don't know it's happening, you know, because obviously now we have, managers who are leading their own teams we have i think it's important and the bigger you grow as a company i think you have to be the guardian of the brand and the guardian of the cultures of the culture and also ensuring that the women are getting um are being fairly, are treated. Being fairly treated but that also goes for the men exactly for me i don't ah, discriminate not a policy specific I, for, me it's, for women exactly for me it's not for me it's all about the fairness exactly. in the end you know i think by talking about and i'm actually saying like making an emphasis that we are both on on equal pedestals i think i don't feel like it's um it, it inhibits us more because all of a sudden exactly. there you said the f you see you saw the fee yes I I remember the first time I was sitting on a table and we were discussing the, this thing about female, male and the, and how we were differently paid. And I'm like, am I understanding well? I'm like, because mm. I didn't even. Yes, like the reality. Yes. I didn't even care. To me that I could be less of a, of a you know, exactly. or I need enough to, I need some, you know, for example, the politics. I, I, it, I couldn't understand it, that we need, you know, um, help to be up I mean, because we have such amazing qualities. I mean, and I see to myself, like, we're capable of multitasking, handling the home, the kids, the work, and come up with, we're so hands-on as women. Like, why? It, in, fact, in fact, I agree that if you give women the environment to flourish, 
you mentioned the quotas earlier at the Malta Chamber. Our president is female, our CEO is female, I'm the vice president. And it's traditionally known as a male-dominated environment, you know. But it, it, it just happened naturally, you know. No one kind of... And again, we were grateful because with the support of men as well, you know, because there are elections which are held at the chamber. You don't just... So, yes, I but mean... we still have these statistics and these statistics are as relevant locally as they are European-wide, globally-wide. So... There must still be, and whilst we've got three amazing, powerful women who are all saying the same thing at the table, let me ask you, Tiziana, why then are we still seeing that women are disadvantaged in the workplace and what on earth do we do about it? Practical terms, what do we do? I think the problem needs to be addressed from different facets. I think we need to start from education one of the things that the school does, I think, is it's that it's a non-issue to be surrounded by men, girls, boys, from a very young age. I think they grow up accepting to be surrounded by women, by girls. So growing up later in life, it's not like in, in, in my days, I went to a school. I, I, I wasn't exposed to co-education. So when I was 16, and I went six times. I was like, wow, okay, okay. I'm, I'm sure be- boys felt the same way. There's boys. We needed to learn <laughs> things fast, how, how to behave, how to be. And I think that won't be a challenge for my children going forward. Um, Although, Tiziana, sorry, but for example, because our kids go to the same school, like for example, what? So sometimes worries me like for example boys have to do football and girls have to do ballet but they have the option which is girls they doing can do football, football and, and my daughter do yes my daughter does football now because she doesn't like ballet and I'm the type I, I'm very much uh, empower her to do whatever she wants to do but it's she's not very much like people it's not the norm at school and people like oh you're doing football like you know she feels a bit of peer pressure because she's not doing ballet like the other girls you know maybe there should be a third option for example do basketball as well so there are a lot of boys who don't like football that's true but what do they do they do ballet and it's important i think as much as we're trying to empower girls and showing them like whatever you know it's it's you are on equal terms as boys i think we should it's, it's, sometimes it's even harder to train the boys that girls are on your t- same terms as well. That's the unconscious bias in a way. My I'm friend has a boy and a girl, and now I see, I see, tell me, I find it so much harder to teach him to respect girls than I find it for to empower her. Because nowadays, there's, I think, the next generation, and I can see it from the Gen Zs, they're so <laughs> <laughs> different to us. Like sometimes I think, did we just overdo it <laughs> with, with empowering them? Because <laughs> they're so overconfident. That it's even scary in other ways, you know? But would that suggest that we're going to then see a natural transition from women, women feeling disadvantaged to women being incredibly empowered? And is that going to happen here in Malta? I think the change is happening. That's fantastic. I think the change is happening. I mean, the fact that the three of us here are talking about we're in leadership positions, we're in positions where we can enact change. 
And we are stating, the three of us, that we don't see this imbalance at our workplace, right? I think something's happening. Something good is happening. Something good must be happening. I'm surrounded. 90% of my colleagues are women. But. But. And they're paid. But. Mm -hmm. Only 5% of CEOs locally and throughout Europe are women. So the workforce might, might be women, but the positions of management and decision making aren't women. In my case, top managers, there are more women than men. Well, that's good to hear. But if the statistic is that it's only 5% outside of your industry, how do we change that? Because we can see that that, that something is changing, but it's going to take quite a while for those gen, gen, whichever. (laughs) To be honest, we are very much now, because we build our own cultures and we're lucky to be, I mean, to hard work, obviously, but today we're sitting in a situation where the culture is what it is. Mm-hmm. But I've recently approached some companies to, to, to collaborate together, you know, to to talk about more about women empowerment and uplifting women and changing more this. And I was impressed at the friction I got. And I, I found it really... Friction towards you? Uh, no, or not me personally. Like, again, is this, you know, like, they didn't want to be associated to this. And I was like, okay, at least I know that what I'm doing, I'm not doing for any, for nothing. Like there is okay. a call, like, like it reminds me of how much work still needs to be done. And I do agree that there are a lot of environments where I see women not in management places, not being uh, um, able to go up the scale because they're seen as, uh, she'll have kids. And you know, we don't invest in a woman that's gonna have kids because then she's gonna leave the workplace. The statistics that you are talking about come about because they wait until the kids can go to school. I hear women who refuse to send their kids to childcare because I want to bring up the kid. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that at all. But they obviously, in the meantime, the world goes on. Mm -hmm. Opportunities. Mm-hmm. And Happen. experience counts. And so, mm. experience counts because we're all here trying to run a sustainable business. It's important also that and financially. And people that... Independent. You know, have invested in themselves professionally and personally. Now, when, when women stop for a while, that investment, they chose to shelf that investment but isn't that the age old has been around forever and is probably never going to change that women are the gender that that are able to give birth therefore probably more likely to uh, be a homemaker and to be a, a, a parent in that role of raising their children so is that not a case of that's always going to be an issue? So really, why are we opening this discussion? And should women be as empowered as men anyway? Being devil's advocate for a second. No, no, I, I disagree. For uh, for one, I, I made use of childcare services. There was a time when my parents were very, very supportive of me um, being busy at work and they took care of my children until... 
my mother fell ill and could not do that any longer. Maybe that was unfair from my end because you don't expect our parents um, to be fit to take care of our kids for all that time whilst we're at work. But sometimes the structures or um, the support around around us were limiting. Today, this childcare, I think it's one of the greatest things that has happened to, to women and to society in general. And I think we need more of these initiatives. I think so, as society has to push for more of these initiatives. Well, let me play devil's advocate for a second. I'm going to direct this at you, Liz, for your opinion on this, because as Tiziana's just mentioned about that family structure and and the role of, of a parent and so on, and we we talked to you just mentioned about childcare. So the alternative to a woman uh, staying at home bringing up the, the the child is to put the child in childcare. Why is it not then that the husband and the wife or the the two per persons in that relationship discuss that maybe it's more appropriate for the woman to go back to work and the father to bring up the children? I, I think it is changing. I mean, I, I see it in Alberta. We have we have quite a few that either the husband has taken a step back or as you said like childcare or but I think we have to accept that in life we can't have it all I think there are trade-offs and I think if someone wants to achieve this perfect world of being able to do everything to perfection I don't know maybe in my old age I've realized that it doesn't happen and I don't have kids and I don't I, I barely manage you know I barely find time to wash my hair you know and so I can I can't even begin to imagine or like with two kids with three kids and school and when they're sick. But I I think it should not stop anyone from growing and the forever learning. Like I joined the chamber because I felt that I was in the Alberta box. I I never went to university. I studied in my later years. I had done a correspondence uh, course by correspondence. And I felt that I needed to widen a bit. For me, that was my way of keeping my job and learning. Because at the chamber, you're exposed to so many different challenges. challenges. And, and if, if, if it's one thing that I, I suggest that to the younger women is network, network, network with older, with younger, different sectors. Don't be scared to to talk to different people, to listen to what other people, even people who have a completely different opinion. They'll always teach you something, even if you don't agree with that same opinion. But then, yes, it sacrifices. Even I had my sacrifices in my younger years. I had friends who were like holidays and being on the beach and I was at the office till 10, 11 o'clock at night. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Did, I, I, want to, agree, did yeah. I want to do yes. it? I didn't choose my career, but I, yes. I loved what I did. Yes. I, you know, I, I follow the similar path. You know, I had kids late in life so because I wanted to focus on building my career. It's, and I don't even look at from my end. That I wasn't even building my career. I loved what I did, and I just, I, I loved it. You know, it's it's the passion of 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 the work that I do. Of seeing you three ladies doing so well in your chosen path. This is what you've decided to do. That you've chosen to be. CEO of Alberta, you've chosen to lead teams and, and the company over at Browns, and you've chosen to set up your own business. Now, notwithstanding that example, just that example in itself is very motivating and empowering. But what do we say to young women 
And it doesn't even have to be young women, but what would you say to women right now to empower them to be the very best that they can be in the workplace? For you, Crystal, first of all. Uh, my advice would be not to be so hard on themselves and um, do follow basically their heart, do things they're passionate about because things that you're passionate about come much easier. As You know, as this was saying, she didn't feel... I. I mean, when my friends were at the beach, when I, I was at work, when my friends were at the gym, I was at work. When my friends were at the park with their kids, I was at work. <laughs> when they were, I mean, I tried to be, tried to juggle it. When possibly my friends were sleeping, I was still at work. Would you change it? <laughs> no, because that is, I think, I feel that well, that was my journey. And this is, the, this is my journey, this is the journey I chose. This is the journey I would choose over and over again. And um, I, I feel that everybody has his own purpose in life. And I always respect everybody around me. I respect people and the women and men and anyone with different careers, with different um, path choices, because we all, everybody is important. As I said, like everybody in the company has strengths and weaknesses. Everybody in life um, has, has a different function. And, we all need to find our purpose. And I think that is what drives us forward. This is what drives us to be happy. It's all about being happy in life. You know, it can be a simple thing from the simplest of things. And once you're happy, you deliver kindness and you deliver and finding the happiness for yourself before being, making your mother happy, your sister happy, your husband happy, your daughter happy. Because once you're happy, then you can make everybody around you happy. And that unfortunately took me a very long time to figure out. Tiziana, to you, you know, we spend a lot of time at work. You've just mentioned you've been at work when other people around you were off doing whatever they were doing at the beach and so on. So we spent, you've invested a lot of time into your career. What would you say to any other woman to empower her to be the best that she can be in that workplace, which may take more time than they expected and be at as a sacrifice for, for other parts of their lives? For me, it worked. I, I, I enjoyed working hard. Um, I also spent time investing in my education, which I think was key in my advancement at work. I recently completed a master's. Um, Congratulations. When, um, when my youngest was six months, and I needed to write a thesis. I was tight on my deadline. And I said, I have two months to go. And I said, okay, not to take time away from my family. I used to wake up at three o'clock in the morning and write until six because then I had to go to work. It wasn't easy, but in reality, I chose my goals and I gave myself no choice. I needed to work very hard for them. So. The advice I give to people is, depending on the goals you set for yourself, and this is where, um, depending on the goals you set for yourself, y you would need to understand how hard you need to work towards those goals. Now, if you don't want to set yourself goals, you were talking about um, uh, the young generations, maybe they want to travel, they, want, they don't want to work hard, they want a good work-life balance, that's okay. But then we, we cannot complain later in life because those people who stayed up at night, woke up early or did not do this and that are in a fairer place. You ever felt like you missed out though? No, 
I always man, I, I slept, I slept little. So that's how I <laughs> made up for, you know. I, I'm... Liz, for you, for, for women, how you're in a, a, a fantastic position. You're CEO of a 400 plus uh, employee company. You're in a male environment. How do you encourage other women to be the very best that they can be in the workplace? Um, fear is just an illusion. It's important to do things and not be scared. Always get out of your comfort zone. The forever learning is very, very, very important because if you don't, the if you don't continue learning, you become complacent, and that's when, in any role within the organization, it's when you start to to fall back. Um, I'm a firm believer in doing things, doing things the ethical way and and values. You might not see it at the time. We, we live in a world where we're constantly battling, uh, you know, the contracting world, you know. And uh, I think in the end, it always pays off to be to be ethical. You know, I mean, you might not see it at the time. You might see it in, you know, a few years. But so doing true. the right thing, even when no one is looking, I think is very Feels important, good. you know. It's important. Being fair. And being fair. And even how uh, we treat people. Yes, it's, being it's all fair. Because fairness, being fair never fail. You never fail. Understanding and kindness. Ladies, you are an incredible example. I am thrilled that you are here on the show. I would love this show to be about empowering women to see the best that they can be and strive for it and know that they can get there. So thank you so much for setting that example for us.